Welcome to the Force Cancer Charity Podcast, your window into the world of Devon's very own local cancer support charity. My name is Trina Lake and today on the Force Cancer Charity Podcast, we're chatting to Suzanne Frost about how Force has been able to support her. Suzanne, thanks for taking the time to share your story today. Did you first come into contact with Force? I heard about it from the breast cancer nurse. And um, my diagnosis was a shock. And I had a neighbour who heard on the grapevine, because I lived in quite a caring and small community. And she knocked on the door and she said to me, get yourself to force, she said. I really found them very helpful and it will really help you. So on the basis of that, and she particularly said to me, get on the makeup course. She said, you get loads of goodies and it really makes you feel better. And at that time, I was in a state of shock, um, really, I think. And um, yeah, that was that was the trigger, really. I thought, well, anything that helps, um, I thought I'd give it a go. You said you were sort of in shock. How were Force able to help you through that period? It will happen very quickly. I was... Um, a tranche of women that the NHS missed on their, I think, age 69 last mammogram. And I'd lost a lot of weight. And I happened to be listening to the radio one morning in the background. And I was planning on moving quite a, quite a long way away to be near to my son. And I heard them say, we missed a tranche of women. And I just saw at the back of my mind, I can't remember when I had my last mammogram. And I, as I say, I'd lost a lot of weight and I used to be very embarrassed when I went because I was big. They had to take two, two lots of photos of my bosoms. <laughs> so I rang the helpline number. I'm very helpful. And they said, don't panic. If you've got any concerns, go to your GP, but you'll hear from us. So I continued with selling my home and moving forward, moving forward. And, um, and my house fell through very late. Um, I was practically moving into rented accommodation and I was very upset about it and as a result of that I went through papers on my desk and found my note to myself and realised I hadn't had a call to go for a mammogram so I rang again and um, I got a mammogram within 10 days and I was dealing with all this kerfluffle of moving and you know it not happening because I got stuff packed so I went along to Marsh Barton did the mammogram, thought that was a lot easier than the last time because I was dinner, and I got a call back at the beginning of the following week, and I thought, oh God, that's because I had such big boobs before, they couldn't decipher it. It never occurred to me because I had no lumps, no discernible lumps to feel. And I did occasionally have a prod, not perhaps as thoroughly as I should have done, but I did. Uh, so I went back rather on my own flippantly if I'm honest and there were six of us in this room and there was a, obviously a woman who was very anxious who kept talking about the stats how um, I think she said and it doesn't matter like two out of four of us will have cancer and we were sitting in the waiting room waiting to go in and I um, I thought I can't I can't listen to this so I just said do you have any grandchildren she said, oh, yes. I said, oh, I've got an adorable grandchild and tried to divert the conversation. And the other women were looking at me and go, 
And then as it came down the corridor, people were going thumbs up. And I thought, there was only two of us left, and everybody had done thumbs up. And by then, I was, I, my anxiety levels had risen. So I'm thinking, odds? You know? I went in. I can't remember exactly what happened when, but it all happened very quickly that I had had another mammogram here and another mammogram this side and prodding and then I went through to another room. I didn't come out. And then the woman, whatever she was, said to me, I'm going to do a biopsy there and then. And then she said to me, you have breast cancer. Um, and she said, you'll have a pretty horrible three months. Um, but after that, be hunky-dory. To be honest, she shouldn't have said that because every test got worse. Um, and bless her heart, the consultant, I won't say her name, was charming. And I saw somebody fairly quickly and I had a friend with me with a pad. She wrote everything down, which is a really good tip because you don't hear it. You think you're an intelligent woman, but it goes over your head. So a good pal or a family member beside you with a pad and pen, just writing down the main, it's a big tip. Um, and I had to go for lots more tests. And then the consultant would ring me herself and she'd say, I'm really sorry, Suzanne, this isn't. She would always say, on the basis of the information I have at this time, and you learn that, don't you? I'm really sorry, but this, um, anyway, it turns out that it, if I'm going to do it, I do it really well. You know, um, so I have seven of the blasted tumours, and they're different in, in both breasts, which is unusual. And then all my lymph nodes, you know. So had I not have moved, had I moved, I would have ditched those papers. I would put them to one side. I probably would have thought about it when I was going in with a new GP because I've got a wonderful GP as well. Um, and I and I thought, oh, God, that's karma. That was meant to be, wasn't it? Because I probably would have been too late. Who knows? Who knows? However, fabulous treatment, had the works. Uh, chemo, loads of it. Radiotherapy, loads of it. Follow-up treatments, still taking the pills, got a mammogram tomorrow. I'm still here. I'm doing okay. So it was a shock because I, I had no indication. I had no lumps. I apparently had an indentation here, which indentations are just as much concern as lumps. But I, it wasn't a big one. And I'd lost such a lot of weight that I got very flabby bosoms because, you know, there was a weight loss. Because, you know, everything goes to blood, doesn't it? Um, so my advice to anybody is do examine yourself lying flat. If you've got any worries at all, and if there's a little bit of an indentation, do that as well. But really, I don't think, any, you know, until the experts get a prodding, you don't really know. So I was lucky. I was lucky that I, I heard it on the radio, that I chased it up. That when I got to, I had good friends, my family were all away, um, and I got very good care, and it was pre-COVID. I think people have had a diagnosis during COVID, my heart goes out to them. Of course, 
was fabulous. It was a safe place. I had everything here. I had counselling, acupuncture, massage, somewhere to sit. I didn't have to explain myself. A selection of bandanas, wig help, art group, the makeup group, which was fabulous, and I met friends for life on that. And just sitting in the garden, sometimes in the sun. Um, I didn't, you don't have to explain yourself. Um, people were very kind. Um, and uh, I think it's, it takes courage to walk in because you think you're the only one. And when I offered to volunteer, I was a bit concerned about going back to Cherry Brook and seeing people having chemo. Because, you know, it's, but I'm all right. I'm okay. And um, I wanted to say thank you. And I wanted to be able to give what I had received. You mentioned the, the makeup classes, and I know you found that the look good, feel better sessions were particularly useful. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Look Good, Feel Better is an independent charity, and we've worked closely with them for, for more than 10 years. And they offer, as we do, free one off pampering sessions that teach men, women, and young adults how to manage some of the visible side effects of their cancer treatment in a really practical and, and positive way. So just talk us through how you got involved and what the sessions were like, and, you know, sort of what happens on the day and how it all works. Well, I got tipped off by my neighbour to get my name down early because um, it's, it's popular. So I did that. So I was able to go at a, a good time for me when. Um, I used to have, not shoulder length, but long hair, which I coloured. And I've always had a good head of hair. Um, and um, with, within days, really, within a couple of weeks of having chemo, it was coming out in handfuls. And my hairdresser, Blesser, came to my house and shaved my head, um, which was really kind and sensitive, and she's been lovely. And I think it's important when people offer you things to take it. Don't don't feel you've got it. You're not on your own. They really want to do it for you. Anyway, she came and shaved my head. And I had thought, well, in the way of things, I won't be bothered by this. You know, this is important to get the cancer sorted. I was bothered. I'd always had a good head of hair. I, um, sounds arrogant, but I take care of my appearance. It's important to me and my self-esteem. And all of a sudden, I'd catch myself in the mirror. And it wasn't me. And I was offered a wig and helped to get one. And I struggled with that a bit. And I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to embrace growing grey. I tried the dark brown ones on, but it didn't, it didn't look right. So I got a grey one. I was concerned that my granddaughter wouldn't see me with no hair. That she might not know me. And she lives away. And she was coming. So I thought, I really must get my act together here. So I had a wig. Didn't get on with them very well, to be honest. A bit hot and scratchy. So then I got all my big girls' knickers on and thought, right. Anyway, I continued with the wigs and I, then I started all sell lovely bandanas. And I've got one of Force things on today because I like them. So I got a selection of lovely and I got my, my friends. I became known for which one you're going to have on today. So I had a nice selection. Anyway, I went along to the makeup course thinking, 
I've got totally different colours now. Um, and I need to learn. And I'd heard it was fun. And it is fun. And there were 12 of us. There were two women who came in, and they were obviously pals, and they piled up. And they sat down, and after a few minutes, they took their wigs off. And I kind of thought, right, they can do this. I can do this. And because they had the courage to do it, I took mine off. And I sat next to a young woman who had just got a shaved head and came in with a shaved head. And she's now my friend. And they chose her as their model. And, and she doesn't wear makeup a lot, but she positively bloomed and looked beautiful. Nelly, she won't mind me saying a name. I don't think she might be saying a name. But the courage. And when I came along to the force induction, one of the volunteers came and I looked at her and I thought, you know, you know somebody from somewhere, but you can't play some different context. So I, um, we were talking, you know, she was talking, I said, I know you're from somewhere. I said, yes. I said, you took your wig off in the course. And she said, yes, I did. And I said, thank you, because you gave me the courage to take mine off. And I said, I don't really think I wore it much since I wore the bandana, so my hair grew quite quickly. Um, and then I embraced the silver. And it got shorter and shorter. Uh, and then I treated myself to a really very expensive pair of glasses because it was a new look. And I frequently get asked where I get the glasses from where they came from and, you know, people say they suit you. And, and this is me, post-cancer. And actually, it's not a bad look, is it? <laughs> Looks pretty good. <laughs> oh, yes, it was a wonderful course. And I recently did the nail course online, which, again, was really useful because, unfortunately, my nails aren't what they were. But in the way of things, you know, you can live with that. But vanity, again, you know, you want them to... It's all part of recovery and moving on. And feeling better about yourself and putting yourself first, which I, th I think a big generalization. Women don't, on the whole, tend to do that or haven't been encouraged to do that. And I think sometimes when you do, you're perceived as being a bit bossy. And, um, and I think it's 100% okay to do that. Good for you. So when you came in for the, the Look Good, Feel Better session, how, how did it work? You've got a, a beauty consultant, I believe, that, that takes you through. Very mixed group, different ages and different styles and different people. I think there must have been three or four helpers, three or four people in the trade, so to speak. But it was a, a very pleasant, I think it was a couple of hours, a whole afternoon. And then we got this most wonderful bag of goodies. I mean, really... God knows what they were worth. It was, I mean, posh names I wouldn't necessarily buy, but a whole range of, of lovely stuff um, and made some friends and smiled and laughed at each other, really, as we tried things out. It was very therapeutic, really useful. And these, a lot of people didn't look as if they used a lot of makeup or... But it wasn't just about that. It was about you, the person, really. Uh, I think the makeup's obviously part of it, but it was more than that. It was, you know, about your whole person. It's very good. 
taken on board all these um, tips about how to use various sorts of makeup, foundations, all sorts of things, how did it make you feel at the end? Much happier than when I went in um, because of the wig, which was scratchy and horrible and didn't much enjoy. I I, I, I think I'm wrong. I did did have the wig on to go home. I wasn't that courageous. It was about picking where I was going, what I was doing, who I was with, how comfortable I was with the people I was on the setting. So, yeah, so that just felt much better. I thought it was really good value. Clearly, you'd recommend it to, to anyone. I would. Give it a try. You, there's no force about it. They can sit and just listen. They don't say, oh, you should. It's try. Try this, try that. And you laugh at each other. Because, you know, some things work better than others don't. And you swapped. I mean, I can't remember. There was a bright red lipstick in my pack. I wouldn't ever wear that. So I think I swapped with somebody for something that was more my taste. It was, it was absolutely fine. I would have found it very difficult to be having my treatment without the support from here. You know, you would have got by. Of course you would, because people have had to. And, um, and Zoom does work in certain situations. I mean, I had counselling on Zoom because I hadn't finished having counselling. And that was fine. It was okay. I mean, my preference would always be face-to-face, but there are some people that are quite happy with Zoom, aren't they? Um, and if your needs are met, we're all different. But I I like to come in here. I have a nice warm feeling when I come in here. Suzanne, thanks very much for being so open today and for sharing your experience. Pleasure. Thank you. Look Good Feel Better sessions are for people being treated for any type of cancer. Uh, Groups for Women run on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month at the Force Support and Information Centre in Exeter. When we can, we offer sessions for men who get expert advice on cleansing, exfoliating, shaving, moisturising and sun protection, and not forgetting special get-togethers for young people. And as Suzanne told us, everyone receives a goodie bag of premium beauty products. There are also virtual workshops available. And I think, Suzanne, you said you had a nail workshop. I did. Fantastic. If you'd like more information, you can contact Shelley Bolt. She runs the service for us. She coordinates it. And she can be reached on 01392 408 535. That's 1392 408 535. Suzanne, thanks again for being our guest. Thanks for listening to the Force Cancer Charity Podcast. If you need support from Force, call us on 01392 406 151 or send an email to support at forcecancercharity.co.uk. You'll find more details on our website, forcecancercharity.co.uk.